up, y'all? Welcome back to Adorn Podcast. We're on episode 48. Is that right? That's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 48. And we're going to be discussing chapters, the rest of 18 through 21 of Genesis. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. So to give us a little recap of where we are, last week we ended kind of in an odd place. We ended with Sarah laughing and Mm -hmm. God calling her out and her saying, I didn't laugh. And he said, no, but she did. (laughs) And she was laughing because God had just reiterated the promise that they would, that um, her and Abram, Abraham were going to have descendants. And she was like, I'm old and I can't have babies anymore. And God was like, well, a year from now you will conceive and you will have a child. And, um, yeah. And so she thought that was funny. (laughs) (laughs) Laughter is a theme we'll kind of um, talk about a lot today. So before we move on with the rest of 18 and, and on through these passages, we're just going to preface with, uh, this is not my favorite passage. No, I don't think it's anybody's really. I wouldn't think so. And also, um, if you tend to listen to this in front of your kids, it might be a good note today. There are some tough topics that we talk about. And so you may want to um, guard those little ears and find some time on your own to listen to this. So just a little warning. But um, we do believe that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. So we're going to go verse by verse. And that's the um, the wonderful thing about studying this way is you can't just skip the hard yes. parts, which yes. that would be much easier. Mm-hmm. But, you know, all scripture is breathed out by God. God. So we're going to take it as it comes and we're going to try to glean something about God from it. So let's get started. Yeah. So we start to see, um, we see Abraham and these two angels that came with God and they start walking toward the city of Sodom. And um, God kind of asks, it's kind of like an aside thing. It's kind of mm-hmm. strange. And he's kind of like, should should I tell Abraham my plan? You know, I, I should tell him because he's going to be the father of these nations. And so he proceeds to tell Abraham that because of all of this sin in um, Sodom, that he's going to destroy the city. He says that the sin is very grave. And mm-hmm. that's just a word to paint a picture that there was really bad sin in Sodom. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Lord's going to destroy it. So in verse 21, it says, and this is the Lord's beginning, and he says, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So this kind of rings true of what we've seen in Adam and Eve and what we saw with the Tower of Babel, where the Lord is going further to investigate. Like Casey has mentioned before, it's not because he doesn't know, because we know that God is omnipotent. Um, it's where we actually see that God, how much he cares. And Moses here is, is making the point that God, God pays careful attention, which if we think about that, we're like, okay, we've talked about that before. We've seen that before, but if we really stop and think about that, that's a pretty big deal that God cares enough about his creation. Cause if you think, okay, here's the creator and here's the creation. If you take it into any other realm, um, of like a boss and a, his employees or whatever, mm-hmm. you, he, you can't really understand the gravity of the fact that this creator is slowing down enough, cares enough about each individual person that he is willing to take the time to really 
understand the situation. Yeah. I mean, he already yeah. does understand the situation, but to slow to down show them. to show them that yes. he cares. Yes. yes. Yeah. I like that. And so then we see that Abraham kind of does this interesting thing. It's really kind of brave and courageous mm-hmm. of him and bold yeah. to to kind of start this negotiation with God. He says, well, God, if there are 50 righteous men, like surely you're not going to kill the righteous um, in order to punish all all the wicked. Mm-hmm. And um, God says... No, okay. If you can find fifty right, if I can find fifty righteous men, like no, I won't destroy the city. And then Abraham realizes, oh wait, maybe there's not fifty. <laughs> and he's like, what about forty? And then he keeps going down thirty, twenty, ten, and God every time says, yeah, you know, if I can find that number of righteous in the city, then I will save the whole city. This is a really interesting pas- passage, mm-hmm. and um, Aaron had some really good insight into this. Well, I think first we have to really pay attention to the fact that Abraham knew God's character and he knew that God was patient and he was long suffering and he was just and he was merciful and he knew all of these things about God. So he was able to come in boldness and say, Hey, I know that you are just. And so you are not going to punish the righteous along with the unrighteous. And so before he can even bring those requests to God, he has to know God's character, Mm -hmm. which is why Casey and I so strongly feel that studying the attributes is really important. So you can go back and listen to that series if you'd like. But um, first Abraham had to know who God was in order to be able to ask these requests of him. And then I was talking um, to my husband about this situation because I always just thought this story was so funny, right? So it's like, Abraham's like, oh, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And I've always interpreted this as, and I think you could interpret it this way without fully understanding the situation as that Abraham is changing God's mind, right? It looks like at first glance that God's like, I'm going to do this. And Abraham's like, well, what about this? Like Abraham is convincing him or something Mm -hmm. like that. Right. But we know from our study of God and his attributes that God is immutable, which just means he doesn't change. And so he's not going to change his mind. So a better way to interpret this passage is to remember another attribute, his omniscience and his so that means that he is all knowing and therefore God knew that there was not going to be 50 righteous Mm -hmm. men there he knew that there was not going to be and I had never thought about it this way Casey already knew this she's much smarter than (laughs) no not much smarter we just read (laughs) things differently (laughs) but when Taylor and I were talking about this it was it just like brought whole new clarity to that situation to me because it's reminding us that that God already knows the outcome and so he's just this is another challenge chance for God to see Abraham's character. Like what is Abraham going to do in this situation? Oh, look at him. He's being an advocate for the Mm -hmm. righteous. And this is, this is kind of the first time we see Abraham walking in that calling to be a blessing to the whole world because it's, he's speaking up for Gentiles. Mm -hmm. So he's speaking up for, um, his imaginary righteous people that are there, which they end up not being there. Mm -hmm. But he's like, no, God, this is, I know you are righteous and I know all of these attributes about you. And so I know that if there are righteous people there, I can count on you and I know Mm -hmm. that you will um, spare those people. So instead of reading this thinking, oh, God changed his mind, which he didn't, we can see that, you know, this is a, a test for Abraham's character and it's also a chance for God to reveal his justice and his mercy, um, 
as he's speaking mm-hmm. to Abraham about what he's going to do. Yeah. Because if we didn't see this passage, we might think that. We might think, well, what about the righteous people right. there? Mm-hmm. But now that we see that this played out this way, we can know. Oh, okay. Right. And I was listening to a um, sermon by Matt Carter. He's the pastor at the Austin Stone. And it's actually kind of an old sermon, but it was really, really good. And so I'm going to link it because I wish I could just say everything he said because it was such a good sermon, but it was 35 minutes on its own. So if you get an extra 30 minutes, um, go listen to this sermon because it's really good. But a few of the things he hit was he said, this is not a story about how God is punishing the few righteous because of the sins of the many. But this is a story about how God is willing to save the many because of the righteousness of a few. And so he talks about how this is actually the first time in um, the Bible that we see This is a really big, what we call $5 words, but it's substitutionary atonement. And that's basically just saying um, that God's going to allow someone else's righteousness to cover the sins of the unrighteous. And this is the first time we see a picture of this. And we know, if we know the gospel, we know that this is what Jesus does Mm -hmm. for us eventually. Um, But he talked about the verse, uh, and it's funny because this was actually our catechism verse last week that went with our catechism question. So this is really cool. Um, And then another verse he talked about was our verse from this week. But last (laughs) week's verse was Romans 5, 10 through 12, which says, none is righteous, no, not one, no one understands no one seeks for God all have turned aside together they have become worthless no one does good not even one and um my girls made up kind of a little chant and motions to it (laughs) so they could remember it so it was really cool because we had just um memorized this last week but but God knew that there were none righteous Mm -hmm. in that city and as we read in that verse like there were none righteous because no one is righteous. And we see earlier in the story that Abraham was counted righteous, but that was because of his belief. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, apart from God, no one can be righteous. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was really interesting that like even if it, Matt talked about in that sermon, like even if Abraham had keep going, going had kept going down, you know, if he'd said, what if there's nine? What if there's eight? What if there's seven? Like God would have said, sure, if you can find eight, if we can find seven, Mm -hmm. if we can find six. But God knew no one was righteous Mm -hmm. in there because no one had him. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I thought that was really, really interesting and a really cool point. And um, that just points us back to the gospel and points us back to how we all need Jesus. And so, um, yeah, listen to that sermon because it's a good one. You're right. That's a good like foundation for the gospel because we've talked about on here how we like to focus on the part of the gospel that's like, ooh, we get a free ticket to heaven. Mm-hmm. But we have to remind ourselves that why did we even need Jesus to come? Mm-hmm. Because none of us were righteous. Right. Exactly. exactly. So without that first piece, you don't fully grasp the whole mm-hmm. gospel, right? Yep. Yep. All right. So that finishes out um, chapter 18. And then we move into 19. And and before we start to dig into 19, um, which is probably the one of the harder chapters of the Bible to have to read, but um, there are some cool things we can note here. I listened to this sermon by Tabidi. I'm, I want to say his last name right, but it's Anya Bule. Anya, hey, that's better than I would have done. Um, but it's really great, and we'll plug it in the show notes. And he's covering the same passage, and he drew out some points that I don't think I ever would have noticed, mm-hmm. like literary, that kind of stuff I don't pick up on. But he was saying that there's a lot of parallels here between chapter 18 and chapter 19. Um, when we see in 18, if, if we go back to where we started in last week's episode, we see that reminder um, of the promise and that Sarah was going to, have a baby. And so we see that God, um, 
reminding them that he's going to fulfill his promise to Abraham in blessing him with Isaac. But in 19, we see God reminding them of his holiness and his justice in the fact that he's going to wipe away sin. And so we see this this tension, right, between his justice and his mercy and yet his faithfulness um, through both of these chapters. And there's some other little small parallels that he drew. Like in 18, we see Abraham and Sarah working together for the hospitality to um, how they ran out to greet the angels, the angels slash men, angels appearing as men. But then in 19, we don't see any mention of Lot's wife. We also don't know what her name is, but we just see Lot trying to show hospitality um, not and not his wife. And so these parallels, he's, he's saying that these, these parallels possibly exist to show us that Abraham is walking by faith and that walk Lot... <laughs> Lot is walking by sight, which we've talked about before. And it heeds us to see that Abraham um, is an example of trust and faith. And we know not perfectly, which we'll see again in today's episode, not perfectly. But then it's showing us this Lot is kind of a, a foil, right? Don't you mm-hmm. call it a foil in stories where it's not the opposite, but yeah, it's kind of like... I think so. Lot is um, walking mostly by sight. He's he's trying to be one foot in the world in one mm-hmm. foot with God. Yeah. Right. So that's why, like we'd mentioned when we talked about where they picked the land lot picked by sight because it looked better and it was near Sodom and Gomorrah. And now he's one foot in Sodom and Gomorrah. And then he's kind of like, but I also want to be one, one foot in the world. And there's later passages like in second Peter, where it does talk about lot as being righteous. And so we can't say, he was, you know, yeah. fully in the world. Mm-hmm. So, but it, this kind of this tension of we want to be all in with God, right? We don't want to be one foot in the world. Mm. It doesn't usually end up well, which we'll see with Lot. It does not That's end so up true. well. So we need to be, we need to be full, like, you know, all in on God and walking by faith. Mm. So let's pick up with the scripture. Good. So then the two angels appearing as human men arrived in Sodom and saw Lot at the gate and Lot convinced them to come to their house. Now, this is a question I wanted to ask you. Do you think Lot realized that they were angels? So I don't know, but we watched this series last night. It's really funny. And I think Jonathan did this on purpose, knowing (laughs) we were going through this uh, passage today on the podcast, but it's the Bible series. Have you watched any of that? It's just called the Bible series. I think that's what it's called. It's like 12 episodes and it's on Netflix and it's Roma Downey from Touched Mm. by an Angel back Mm -hmm. in the day and Mm -hmm. her husband, Mark Burnett. They put it, they put it together, but we watched the whole Abraham thing last night and the way they portrayed it. And it was really good, by the way, like they leave out some things because they have to, because they don't have time but what they do show is very accurate Mm. or at least like according to what I've read in scripture it's Uh very accurate they portrayed it as lot not knowing okay until later it seems like that yeah it seems like that because when he greets them he says my lord's right, like not yeah. not lord with an uppercase mm-hmm. L. So it seems yeah. like he he was just like aware. as a matter of respect. But yeah. yeah, it's a very good show. I wanted to plug that because it it really for people that are visual, mm-hmm. it's really helpful. Mm-hmm. So at least the Abraham story is very good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they come to the house and the people of town surround Lot's house and tell them to bring the visitors out. And so before we go any more on that, I just thought we could mention here that you might just read that and not think that's anything wrong, yeah. right? Like if there's visitors in town, everybody wants to meet them. That's a great thing. That is not what is mm-hmm. happening here. With the context of the verses we read before where we know that all of the people there and the sin is very grave, we can, as we continue to read, realize that that, that was not a hey, let's meet the new people, hospitality type of thing. Yeah, which is actually when I read through it the first time, 
studying for this. That's kind of how I read it. Mm-hmm. I was like, why wouldn't they want to come out of me? Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, my little fairy tale mind, why would people be mean? <laughs> yeah. But but yes, as you read it um, and really understand what it's talking about, there was a lot, a lot of sexual sin going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. And um, I feel like that's what we usually tend to focus on when we hear sermons. They focus on the sexual sin going on in the city. And there was a lot of sexual sin. But um, if we read in Ezekiel 16, verse 49, it says, Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excessive food, and prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and needy. Hmm. That hit me like a ton of bricks this Mm -hmm. morning when I was reading that because I was like, wow, like, hmm, that could be any of our sin. Right. That's tough. Pride is a hard one, too, because it it manifests in so many different ways. It does. Right? Mm Because pride might, you know, some people come out as arrogance. Pride in some people might might come out in, like, reclusiveness, like Mm -hmm. not being hospitable, like they're saying in that passage. Or Mm -hmm. pride might be, you know, hoarding your money or anything like that. It can come out in a lot of ways. And the helping the poor and needy thing, that just, I feel like that's something that just comes up a lot um, kind of in our culture today. And it's easy to just say, oh, someone else will take care of that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's a big part of God's heart, I mm-hmm. think. And so it's something that's important for us to, to think about right? and to kind of look at in our own lives. Like, yeah. are we doing that? Mm-hmm. That's so, good. That's a good question. Anyway, moving on. Um, So this is... A really, this part always makes me cringe big mm-hmm. time. Um, but Lot actually risked his daughters in order to protect his guests. So he says, hey, here, I've got these two daughters. Why don't you take them and sleep with them and leave my guests alone? Mm. And when we read that, we really cringe, and I still uh. do. But apparently it was part of, like, the code of hospitality. Like, you do anything to protect your visitors. But yeah, I still don't like that. I don't know. I yeah. I've read some different things on this, and and some people argue that that Lot was bluffing because he knew of right. the, the mm-hmm. sexual sin of homosexuality that these men mm-hmm. wouldn't want women. Oh yeah. Um. But then it also anytime I read that, it also says, but that doesn't excuse right. it. Like it's, this is still sin. It's still sin to try to substitute his daughters because it's cowardly. It's inexcusable, and it's showing again that he's walking by sight. Yeah. Right. He's like, oh, I gotta fix this situation right in front yeah. of me here girls yeah which I'm like oh I hate it so much mm. and we'll see that we don't know if this directly relates to what happens later with his daughters but yeah. sexual sin comes yes. up again and yes. it could put possibly be you know sin begat sin as we've talked about before mm-hmm. and so when you introduce sin um to a situation the consequences may be graver than you mm-hmm. realize for sure. I didn't, I haven't made that parallel. That's really interesting to think about. Mm. Um, so when these men got mad and tried to make their way into the house, cause they didn't want the daughters. They, he was right. They didn't want the daughters. They tried to make their way into the house. Um, the angels shut the door mm-hmm. and I liked this mm-hmm. because I mean, it immediately stood out to me because we focused on this some when we were talking about Noah and how God shut the door for protection of Noah and his family. And so once again, the angels shut the door to protect Lot and his family. Mm-hmm. So I like that a lot. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Then the angels tell Lot of the plan to destroy the city, and they tell him to get um, him and his family out, once again, similar to Noah. And then verse 16 says, But he lingered, so the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. Um, So they were taking taking Lot out, and that was just purely God being merciful. It's not Mm -hmm. because... 
Lot earned it, or because he was righteous, it was God God's mercy. I like how how it makes the point too that like he lingered lingered. <laughs> I don't even think that's a word. <laughs> he lingered, and and we can look at that and we can think like, why? I know why do you, why are you lingering? I think because you love your sin. Which let's talk about that for a second. I mean, it's so sad. Yeah. Because that's true. In our minds, we're like, oh, sin is bad. Sin is bad. We know sin is bad. But then sometimes when we're in it, we're like, oh, but we love this. Like It's comfortable. Yeah. We're, yeah. And we're not looking at the uncomfortable parts that it causes. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, it's so hard to wrap our minds around. Like, sometimes the righteous acts seem so much harder mm-hmm. than the sin. Yeah. And we just want to stay su- stuck in it. I think, too, that we we don't understand that. Sometimes there is consequence for sin. Like if right. he wouldn't have left, he would have been destroyed up, you know? Yeah. yeah. But like we just think, oh, well, nothing bad has happened mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. So I must be okay to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And that is the enemy. That is 100% the enemy keeping you trapped in your sin and yeah. keeping you... Um, thinking that it's satisfying mm-hmm. when when it's not. Whether that's, I mean, that could be so many things. Sexual sin, that could be, you know, um, what's it called when you eat? Gluttony. Gluttony. That could yeah. be laziness. That could be anything. That could be gossip. Pride. Oh, well, I haven't seen any direct consequences mm-hmm. of this. So, and I like it. Makes me feel mm-hmm. good for a second. And just, that's that's not true. That's not, that's the enemy. Mm-hmm. Trying is. to hold you back from what's better, right? Mm-hmm. Lot had to walk away from yep. it in order to receive what was better. Yep. Oh, that's so true. That's not even our notes. That's so true. Bonus. <laughs> so, um, and Lot, like you said, he lingered and he negotiated about where to escape to. It's like, <laughs> just get out of here. Like the angels tell him to go to this one place and he's like, actually, I'd rather go here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, so then the Lord rained sulfur and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah, destroying the cities. Mm-hmm. So um, this, I, where did I get this from? I'm trying to remember. I don't know, but it was really good. So it was talking about how. God demonstrates his righteous wrath against sin. And I just liked that phrase, righteous wrath. Because usually we think wrath and we think anger, Mm -hmm. like sinful, just like so mad. But I was thinking back to this story I heard from um, originally from Matt Chandler. Surprise, surprise there. (laughs) But I think it's a really good, helpful thing for us to understand God's righteous wrath is that if you have kids, um, think back to when you first had your baby and you're like, oh my gosh, I love this thing so much. This thing, this, thing, this human, <laughs> this baby. I try to think of another example if you don't have kids, but where you're just like, you're so, you love it so much that you realize that that love for that baby, you could get so angry that you would want to kill somebody, right? Yeah. Like if anybody hurts, the f- if anybody harms where this. where the term mama bear comes from. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Exactly. So if we think about, and I don't think this is a direct parallel because God is God and we are human and we can't really draw <laughs> any perfect parallels, but think about that. Like God loves his people and he's zealous for his holiness and his righteousness that he is willing to display that wrath in order to show love and and you can't really separate the two right there with love comes wrath yeah so I don't know I found that really helpful because it is easy to look and be like oh I hope God's not like that anymore Mm -hmm. because look at how angry he is Mm -hmm. but he is he's out of love for you know his His people people. then he is trying to protect them from that sin yeah that's good um so we had said that they told Lot and his wife not to look back but she did. 
once again, kind of that longing Mm -hmm. for that sin that they had been living in. Mm -hmm. And she looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt, which has always been interesting to me. Yeah, I read something (laughs) when studying this, that that term she turned into a pillar of salt could mean that she whatever was raining down oh. turn you know what i'm saying cuz like sulfur could turn things to salt i'm not a scientist i don't Maybe. know how that works but that makes so much more sense it was sense. saying when we I'm say like, pillar of salt we like picture like a you know pillar yes. of salt i don't know oh okay <laughs> that makes a little bit more sense um <laughs> so um i'm just going to read verse 29 so it was that when god destroyed the cities of the valley god remembered abraham and sent lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which lot had lived so here we see it was the second time that lot was saved because of abraham's faithfulness Mm. Mm. it just gives me warm fuzzies (laughs) (laughs) in the midst of all the you know all the sadness and and stuff i just like that um that because of Abraham's faithfulness, his his nephew was saved for the second time. And that reminds us to live in a way that we are thinking of others, mm-hmm. right? Like Abraham yeah. isn't only thinking about his own outcome or right. his own days or his whatever, but he's mm-hmm. he's willing to, like we read about the first time that he did that, he was willing to go over 100, 100 miles yes. with his, you know, 300 yes. and something of his men to go get him back. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even want to go out of my way to a farther parking spot. At, right sprouts you know so like thinking that's obviously a dumb example (laughs) but you know just trying to live in a way that we're uh, trying to be aware Uh of where we can really reach out for people and and show them God's goodness and then I don't even know and I was thinking about this last night on the episode like it didn't that I was watching on tv it didn't even seem like lot was that appreciative (laughs) to Abraham for coming and saving him I mean he stayed in Sodom Mm. and then once again, you know, Abraham's coming and saving him. You yeah. know, Abraham didn't have to want to save him like right. that, you know. Well, that's, that can remind us that, like, our motives need to be for God and Pure. for God alone. Because mm-hmm. if, if we're doing it for the gratitude and it's not there, then we'll get frustrated. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so then this is where things get kind of kind of strange. Because they've been not strange right. so far. <laughs> Even more strange. <laughs> you know, people turning into pillars of salt, <laughs> sulfur raining from the sky, angels coming. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> this <laughs> is where it gets real strange. Um, Lot and his daughters, they go and live in a cave. And um, the daughters decide that they need offspring. Mm-hmm. And there's no other way that they're going to have children unless they um, give their dad wine and get him drunk and sleep with him. Mm. So this is what they do. And they both conceive and both have babies. And this is where the the different the two different tribes, the Moabites and the Ammonites, um, are results from this. Mm-hmm. And they're both at odds with Israel, which isn't surprising mm-hmm. that these these um, people groups that come from this deep deeply rooted sin end up being at odds with God's people. But there's so much beautiful redemption because if you skip ahead in, in scripture, and I'm just going to mention this quickly, but Ruth, who is in the lineage of Jesus, mm-hmm. was a Moabite. I love that so much. And so um, it was counted in the tribe of Judah through her faith and redemptive marriage to to Boaz. Her her righteousness was. So I just love it. That's so cool. I love it. I never it. knew this. And I don't think probably most people have never even thought about that Thought before. about so it. That I is mean, really it's cool. clear. Like they say Ruth is a Moabite. Mm-hmm. And, but you don't connect the two, right. you know, and that right. was in the, the notes in my Bible. So I just thought that was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. All right. So that finishes chapter 19. And then we pick up in chapter 20 with Abraham. He's um, on a journey and it says that he sojourns in 
Guerrero. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we don't really know why. It no. Doesn't, it doesn't tell I us tried why. to figure it out. I was like, why were they leaving again? What yeah. are they doing? Yeah. I don't know why. But then we see the same thing happen again where he says that Sarah is his sister. And I love that in this passage, he actually finally says, well, you know, she kind of is. So it's not that bad. But yeah. I mean, come on. Like how many times does he have to commit the same sin before he realizes this is not right. I know. And then we're going to see it again later with his <sighs> descendants. The exact same uh-huh, thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you know what else I thought was funny? Okay. Is that Abimelech, the king um, who wants to take Sarah into his harem or whatever they call it. I'm like thinking, dude, she's like 90. That's true. <laughs> Jonathan and what? I were talking about this a little bit earlier. I was like, were things different? Like were 90 year olds different? Were they like 30-year-olds now now or what? No, because it says she couldn't conceive anymore. Yeah, so she was, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's It's interesting. It's weird. Yeah, but then um, God intercedes in a dream to uh, the king Abimelech, telling him that she's already married. Um, And I thought this was interesting. In this story, God does this um, before Mm -hmm. he's able to, as in the other stories, it said, take her as a wife, Mm -hmm. meaning probably meaning sleep with her. So, and we see that God did this because um, he's protecting her and his, his um, plan because Mm -hmm. she, if she were to have slept with him, then it could have been argued, oh, well maybe that wasn't, you know, no, I mean, Abraham, Abraham, yeah, Abraham's Abraham's child. Yeah. It was, could have been a bimelech. So we see here that God's sovereignty and that he will make whatever he wants to happen happen yes and i just kept this kept coming back up to me again is that you just you do not have the power to mess up god's plan because we see that abraham you know had like he could have been trying to mess up the plan oh, yeah but god can intervene in any means in any way through any people and so you, you you just don't have the power to do that and i feel like that is sounds harsh but it's actually really encouraging oh, it so is so comforting yes. to know that we are not in power but yes. god is yes because oh. i sometimes have this fear of like oh my gosh am i doing the wrong thing like mm. i so badly want to follow god's will and mm. i i want to be obedient but what if i mess it up and and so this is really comforting to me like yes you should seek what god wants for you and you should be willing to sit and listen and to obey and to act on it when you know when you are supposed to but you ju- you just don't have the power to mess it up no and we think sometimes like Casey and I were just talking about this of how, you know, sometimes we envision God up there, like hiding his will behind his back. Mm -hmm. Like, are you going to figure it out? Which, which job should you choose? Which house should you move to? Which school should you go to? Whatever it is. And like, we picture God up there, like trying to elusively hide it from us. And, and that, that's obviously not God. Um, and Jen Wilkin has a good, uh, is it a podcast or a, she has something good on this of talking about <laughs> talking about how God, you know, God is more concerned. Oh, she talked about it at the conference. Oh, okay. God is more concerned about you um you becoming more holy than mm-hmm. he is about the yes. decision you're making. Yes. He's always mm-hmm. more concerned with the decision maker than the decision itself. Right. But um in this situation, we see that even though Abraham and Sarah they like royally sin and mess things up, God is still able to work all things for his glory like we've talked about def- before, like even despite the sin, mm-hmm. God can still be faithful. Mm-hmm. So comforting. Yeah. So comforting. So Abimelech is like 
basically, I'm sorry, I didn't know. I promise. Yeah, poor, you know? I mean, like, I feel like poor Abimelech. I don't know 100 yeah. exactly. If yeah, he was we didn't really, really know him, but yeah, we didn't know him. <laughs> I didn't get the chance to meet him, unfortunately. But he says, you know, I have, I, I did this with integrity, and God said, mm-hmm. yes, I see that you did this with integrity. So let's discuss integrity a little bit. So this is a word we haven't really talked yes, a lot about. Integrity. Um, this was one of the first big words I taught my girls when they were like probably two or three. I remember you teaching them that. Yeah, because because to me, I feel like this is where so much sin takes place. Agreed. Because what, what I taught the girls was integrity means, and I, I made this up, I don't think it's an actual definition, but um, I would say, what's integrity? And they'd have to say back to me, doing the right thing even when no one's watching. And this is where I think, I don't know if it's our culture or what it is, but this is where I think most sin takes place when nobody's watching, mm-hmm. right? We see this is the problem with so many you know, people struggling with pornography or with adultery or with lying or um, just anything. Pride even mm-hmm. comes back to this too, is yeah. what, are, what are you doing when no one's watching? And so the fact that it talks about in this passage, I thought was a really good point for us to kind of just stop and think for a moment. Like, would you do what you're doing if someone's watching? Would you do it if no one was watching? Mm-hmm. And this can go either way, mm-hmm. right? Like, would you do the sin that you're doing if someone was watching? No, then you're not having integrity. And then same on the other side. Like if you are helping someone, would you help that person if no one was watching? You wouldn't? Okay, then you're not having integrity in that situation Mm -hmm. either. Yeah. What what else? So the definition, I looked up several different definitions. And one of the definitions I ran across said internal consistency or lack of corruption in electronic data. So take the electronic data out. Aaron's (laughs) like, what? It was so good. And then you said electronic. (laughs) So take the electronic data out. I loved the internal consistency Mm -hmm. because to me, that says you're doing inside the same as you would do outside and vice versa. Mm. And like Aaron said, I think that this is the root of so much. And there's been a lot going on in my life right now. And this is not, if you're listening to this and you're a friend in my life, like this is not me being passive aggressive, I promise. <laughs> like most of this stuff, most of this stuff has already been talked about and worked through. So just letting y'all know. Um, but a lot of hurtful things that have happened in my life recently has been because of um, things that have been hidden mm-hmm. and um, lies and just um, it's it's an integrity issue mm-hmm. on one side or another. And there can just be so much pain that comes from that. And and in most of these situations that have happened, if if there had just been honesty at the very beginning, if people had been transparent with what was going on, if they had been open um, with me and with other people, then there wouldn't have been this pain. Mm-hmm. And then that person wouldn't have had to hide things the person that was having what was hidden from him wouldn't have been hurt. Like yeah. just all, it's just this snowball mm-hmm. effect and um, sin begets sin. And so once you lie to one person, you have to lie. It, yeah. it, you have to keep hiding it up and it's hiding it up. You keep having like to hide it, <laughs> hiding like it up in your heart. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's just, it can be such a painful thing. So mm-hmm. I thought it was really cool as I was studying for this yesterday and we were going to talk about the word integrity. I was like, yes, mm-hmm. you know, this is just such a vital thing. I think, especially in our culture, because we can hide so much, mm-hmm. um, to remember that that's not always the, the best way to live. Mm-hmm. And integrity is, is so very important. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then in verse seven, um, I'm just going to read the verse to you. It says, now then return the man's wife for he is a prophet so that he will pray for you and that you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die and all who are yours. So there's some, some phrasing that we've heard before here, right? Sounds similar um, to what was hap- what was told in the story of Cain and Abel, if you want to go back and listen to that one, but it was talking about, if you don't get this sin right now, you will surely die. And I think this is important for us. Um, I told myself I wasn't going to say, I think this is important. I said it. No, you said important a note. Okay. <laughs> okay. But um, what, what's happening here is that w- he's becoming aware of his sin, right? So he was having integrity. He didn't know what he was doing was wrong. But as soon as he's aware of it, mm-hmm. God is like, now deal with it. Right. And I was um, at a friend's house the other night. And if you're listening to this, I hope this is encouraging to you. But she, something happened. Her son and my daughter were fighting over a swing. And so they got into a fight and they came inside. And what she said as she was lovingly disciplining her son that I, I thought was really good was she said... Um, you did something wrong. Now go make it right. Mm. And I thought that was really good because we think, you know, just saying sorry is enough. And sometimes it is, but like we've talked about before, true repentance has an obedience aspect to it. There's an action that goes with that. So that's what's happening here. He's saying, okay, you did something wrong, whether you knew it or not, but now go make it right. And, um, we can't just condone our sin. So if something's done, maybe in ignorance and you, you weren't aware that you were hurting someone or something like Mm -hmm. that. Okay, but then still go make it right. Own it. Once you become aware of it, <laughs> yes. we need to make it right by repenting yes. and then and then by walking in obedience. And and I, I think this is just something we can pause and be reflective about. Is there anything I'm doing right now that I need to stop and walk away from? Mm. Um, and maybe ask the Lord to reveal something to you. That's not always a fun thing. I mean, it's usually a painful thing. But ask the Lord, like, is there anything I'm doing? Am I? Do I have pride? You know, we're talking about pride a lot here. Am am I lacking in integrity? God, like, show me a place where I can grow in this. And then as soon as you're aware of it, own it, repent of it, and move away from it. Mm -hmm. There's that move away from it piece of it that we don't always like. Right, right. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we saw a lot had trouble with it. His wife had trouble with it. It's hard to move away from Mm -hmm. that sin. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. So um, Abimelech then asked Abraham why he lied about this. And he says, it was only a half lie. (laughs) (laughs) Nice try, Abraham. (laughs) But sin is sin. So we need to name it so we can leave it, just like Aaron talked about. Um, And Abraham has taken his eyes. I'm looking at my notes and it says, don't feminism sin. It's supposed to say, don't diminish. (laughs) I know. This happens all the time. (laughs) I have to like try to interpret Aaron's notes. (laughs) I'm like, feminism sin? What does that mean? That's really funny. Anyway, name it and leave it. Don't feminism it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't diminish it. Um, We see that Abraham's taken his eyes off of God and is walking by sight again. Mm -hmm. And so once again, he's trying to fix it all. He's just seeing what he sees. He's not really living in that faith that we talked about. And so then Abimelech gives Abraham... um, animals and things. Um, this is kind of weird, but I had a good note in my, um, study Bible about this actually. And it says Abimelech gives gifts to Abraham and Sarah to honor God in their special relationship to him, not to compensate for his guilt. God not only delivers his chosen servants out of the dreadful peril, but rewards them with unexpected riches. Sarah's public Vindication rules out the possibility that Abimelech might be the father of the soon-to-be-born Isaac. Mm. I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. Just a good little note. 
Also, Abimelech is a fun name. It is fun. And we see Abimelech. it again later. We see his, like, great-grandson or something is also named Abimelech. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't say it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And then we finish this uh, chapter with Abraham praying for Abimelech. And and we see that God then heals him and his wife and all the maidservants um because God had closed their womb, and now he had healed them. And it's just funny how, you know, we were talking about Abraham. He needs to be walking by faith, and sometimes he is, and sometimes he forgets. And the fact that he's in this situation, he's trying to take matters into his own hands by what he thinks is going to protect himself. And and it's truly only God's intervention that actually Mm -hmm. protects him. Yep. Kind of ironic, huh? Yep. Isn't it ironic? <laughs> All right, chapter one. Final 21. Chapter. 21. <laughs> In the beginning. We're going back to the beginning. Oh, my goodness. I'm losing my here mind we go. here. Chapter 21. Chapter 21. Thank you. Uh, it starts saying with, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. So this is a reminder to us that God is always faithful. And I love that we see this over and over and over and over again. And the reason is because we need to be reminded mm-hmm. over and over and over and over again that yes. God is always always faithful to keep his promises always I, i just don't think we can tell ourselves that enough so then sarah conceived and had isaac and circumcised him at eight days old so he was obedient to to what the lord had told him to do um year before abraham was 100 years old so sarah was 90 at this time can you imagine having a baby at 90 i don't want to even think about it (laughs) and that that so i'm about to paint a picture for you so uh, we have Sarah and we have Abraham and we have these promises that have been that's God that God has been promising them for years and years and he's been saying you're going to have descendants I'm going to give you this baby and mm-hmm. um and they were doubtful because Sarah hadn't had hadn't been able to have kids and now she's getting older and mm-hmm. so finally Sarah conceives and she has this baby and we see once again, after she has this baby, we see laughter. And I think about it and I'm just like, how many times, you know, they've, they've walked through tough seasons. They've walked through sin. And I'm sure when they, when they sin, they probably thought, oh, great. Now we've done it. Mm-hmm. Like now, now God's not going to give us this blessing. How mm-hmm. in the world is he going to bless us after we messed up so badly? And, and then when you see, when they finally see like the fruit of this blessing this laughter is a is a joyful laughter and it's this laughter of wow god you're so good and i've experienced this in my life before you know after tough seasons when you can look back and you can see just how good and how faithful god is it's just this laughter of kind of why did I ever doubt to uh-huh. begin with? Because mm-hmm. God, you're so good. And this is actually part of why we named our son Isaac like we did. And if you're just tuning in and you don't know our story, just real fast. Um, we had a baby boy in 2011 that um, he passed away as a newborn. He had trisomy 13. And we found out while I, while I was pregnant with him that he was going to be very, very sick. And we named him Isaac. And part of the reason we named him that is Um, some things that you'll see in our episode next week. But honestly, part of the reason we named him Isaac was because it means laughter. And we've seen this um, thread of laughter several times, you know, 
before when Sarah was laughing at the Lord, that was a little bit disrespectful. And then we're going to see Ishmael laughing and making fun of Isaac. But this is the laughter that I was focused on. Mm -hmm. This laughter that comes from joy because I knew, I found out when I was 15 weeks pregnant with him that he was very, very sick. And I knew that to carry him to term, I was going to have to find my joy Mm -hmm. in the only place that it could come from that time. And that was the joy of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And, and I knew I was going to need laughter good laughter during that time um just in these reminders of God's faithfulness and that's when I what I see when Sarah is laughing here she's just like God, you are so faithful mm. and so good to fulfill your promises. Mm-hmm. And so I just love this part. This is the laughter that that is good laughter. We've yeah. seen we've seen other kinds of laughter, but this is laughter is good. Yeah, and and we have to remember that it's been 25 years, right? About 25 Something years like since the yeah. first time, because Abraham was like around 75, mm-hmm. I think. So it's been a long time, mm-hmm. a very long time. And that's, you know, God grows us. We've talked about this before. God grows us in the waiting seasons and in the tough seasons. And 25 years is a long time. I mean, 25 years ago, I was four years old. So that's a long time. <laughs> a long time. <laughs> so I think, you know, in our culture, we're like, oh, you promised it yesterday. I want it now. Right. And right. so just to... Be encouraged by the fact that if you're in a season of waiting right now, that that God is faithful. And like you, saying. and that joy can be there. Mm-hmm. Like if even if it's not right now, mm-hmm. like you will laugh again and you will have joy. Mm-hmm. So then we see that um, on the day Isaac was weaned, they had a feast. I, I thought this part was so funny because I was like, oh, my, I can relate to that. Yes. Like, I want to have a party when you're done. If, if it, I'm assuming it's still reversing the nursing. It does. It does. I looked it, out. I looked it up, and okay. it said they were usually around three, but it is yeah. that transition from having to depend on their mother for mm-hmm. food to being able to be sustained on their own. So I love that. Yeah, It just makes it so party. real and, like, human, yes, right? Yes, exactly, exactly. So starting in verse 9, we, we – kind of see a shift in the tone and we see more of the consequences that are um, relating to when Abraham tried to take things into his own hands, Abraham and Sarai at the time, try to take things into their own hands and um, create an offspring for themselves. And this is continuing through um, just re- repercussions, repercussions mm-hmm. from that situation. So um, we see the laughing again, like Casey said, but this time it's um, Ishmael, that, that word laughing in that time could be, um, interpreted as like mocking yeah, um, or making fun of, Mm -hmm. of Isaac. Mm -hmm. And so this, of course, as any mama bear, like we talked about, as any mama bear would be, Sarah got really upset. And in, um, chapter 16, verse one, we see that the word that slave woman is now used instead of just servant. Mm. And that indicates um, quite a bit of animosity now between the two women. Mm. And so Sarah, um, Sarah's request to basically send Hagar away made Abraham really sad because he had a genuine love for his son. Ishmael was his son. Um, And at this point, God reassures Abraham that he's going to take care of things. So I'm going to read verses 12 and 13 um, to us. Let's see. It says, but God said to Abraham, be not displeased um, because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you for through Isaac shall your offer offspring be named and I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also because he is your offspring so this is just God saying again I've got it yeah I'm taking care of it I'll take care of you yes right because he didn't he didn't have to Mm -hmm. I mean that was sinful the way that Ishmael was created so God didn't have to bless that Mm -hmm. at all but he's still he's still reassuring Abraham that he is and that's 
That's just God's kindness. Mm-hmm. It is. Above and beyond. Absolutely. So yeah, Abram then sends her away to wander in the wilderness of Beersheba. Is that how you say that? I think so. Sure. <laughs> um, and this, this story is kind of strange because it makes it sound like he's a baby, right? Like it makes it sound like she's yeah. carrying this mm-hmm. baby, but he's he's about 16 at this time. And um, after all of their water had run out and they must have been super dehydrated and just exhausted. And she sets him under the tree and she kind of moves away to a different area because she didn't want to see him. She didn't want to see him mm-hmm. suffering or dying, which is really sad. It broke my heart when I, when I was reading this and just putting myself in her place, mm-hmm. like thinking about, Knowing your baby, you're, I mean, yes, he's 16, but our babies Still will baby. always yeah. be our babies. Right. Knowing that your baby's going to die and there's nothing you can do for them, like, that that's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. It's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and God heard the voice of the boy, and I love this part. I love mm-hmm. this part. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift the boy. Lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow, and he lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. And that was uh, chapter 21, verses 17 through 21. And I love this mm-hmm. because God says multiple times, I heard the boy, mm-hmm. I heard the boy. And Ishmael, as we talked about last week, means God who hears. Mm-hmm. And so I just love that. And it's everything he, in that passage, I think it was last week that we were talking about where he's saying he's going to make him a nation. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a wild Reiterating monkey that, yeah. of a man. Not no, monkey. no donkey. Donkey, wild donkey <laughs> of a man. Um, and we see that happening here, right? He's living in the wilderness. So he's wild. Um, yep. He becomes an expert. And because we had mentioned before that mm-hmm. it in that um, promise to him, he was, it was saying he's not going to be a servant to anyone. Right, he, right. He's going to mm-hmm. live in hostility. And so he becomes an expert with a bow. And so it's everything God had said, again, just just pointing to God's mm-hmm. faithfulness. Yep. Yep. So in verse 22, um, we shift back again to, to the talking about um, Abimelech. Abimelech and Abraham. So it's in verse 22, they recognize that God is with Abraham, which I really like this because it makes us stop and think, okay, here's this guy that had um, had this negative interaction mm-hmm. with Abraham, right? Yeah. It wasn't like this wonderful, beautiful thing that happened. Right. It was this negative interaction. I don't know how else to word that. And yet he still says, Oh, you know what? God is, God is with Abraham. There must be something to that, right? God is with you in all that you do. It says in verse 22. So I just thought this was a good place for kind of self-reflection. They saw Abraham and they saw that God was with him. And so maybe you can ask yourself and and think, or maybe ask some people, like when they look at you, how do they see God in you? How do they, Mm. would someone look at you and say, wow, God is with them. And, and maybe that's in your joy. Maybe that's in your steadfastness, your long suffering. Maybe that's in your patience or your honesty or your trust. Um, I think there's a lot of ways for us to demonstrate that our, our identity and our, um, hope is in God. And then people see that and Mm, they want to know, they Mm want to know just like, um, Abimelech is saying the same thing about Abraham. And so Abimelech is wanting Abraham's kind of blessing and and promise of that. They're not going to, um, fight essentially Mm -hmm. right because he's like Mm -hmm. i know your god is good and your god is strong (laughs) and i don't want to have anything against that and um and abraham's like well you know this is all me paraphrasing right (laughs) now but he's like well did you know that uh some of your people took one of my wells and abimelech is like dude sorry i had no idea (laughs) which just kind of seems like a thing with abimelech like do you not know what's happening but 
that's just my assumption. So he's like, mm-hmm. I had no idea. I'm sorry. Maybe Abimelech was blonde. but then they we see this this idea of covenant again right where um abraham it seems like now tell me if i'm interpreting this right i took it as like abraham was saying i am telling the truth almost like this is how i'm proving that i'm telling the truth because it says um to prove that he had where does it say these seven lambs or seven you Uh lambs yeah um, that may be a witness for me that I dug this well. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm telling the truth. Yeah. This was mine. Yeah. That sounds right. And I mean, then, yeah. Know. And then they it, swear this, this, this little passage was a little bit confusing It is to a me. little confusing. It's kind of seems a little out of place, which we know it's not because right. it's the Bible, but still it was kind of, kind like, of odd. This is random. Why yeah. is this here? Yeah, it was. <laughs> just, just some truth there for us. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That we don't always know everything. Yeah. Um, we most of the time <laughs> we don't know We mostly don't know, know everything. <laughs> but yeah, so they make this this covenant um, to show that Abraham was telling the truth and that they would get along. And then Abraham, this chapter ends with Abraham um, planting a tree and calling upon the name of the Lord, which that's another phrase we've seen throughout Genesis, right? Call upon the name of the Lord. And um, it says to the, the Lord, the everlasting God, which if you've been following along with us, you know, we like to kind of say the original names of God. So this one for the Lord, the everlasting God is L-O-Lam, L-O-Lam. I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's E-L-O-L-A-M. That's what it looks like. Okay. Okay. It's hard to say. I know. And I'm actually, I just thought about this as she said this, I'm going to link a study that, um, someone I follow on Instagram, her, her name is Amy Kate Gannett. Um, she's doing a study on Hebrew words right now Mm -hmm. leading up to Lent. And I'm going to post a, um, a link because it's been super interesting. Mm -hmm. I think it's like $6 or something. It's not very expensive at all, but if you're interested in Hebrew, um, words and like different, um, um, words for God, it, it's really cool. So yeah. just a little yeah. side note there. <laughs> yep. And then it says he journeyed many days in the Philistines. So wait, what? This is this it does end randomly. Yes, very <laughs> random. Very <laughs> random. But next week, um, we're really excited. We have a wonderful friend of ours, Hannah, who's been on Yay. here before. Um, she's going to be walking with us through chapters twenty-two through twenty-seven. Lots of big stuff in that one too. A lot of so. Buckle up, friends. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, and most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented. Kate.